Hallo und herzlich willkommen. Mein Name ist Christiane Wirtz, ich bin Coach und Autorin aus Köln und weiß, wie sich etwas aus Krisen machen lässt. Heute bin ich verbunden mit David Crisp. David Crisp ist, ja, er wird es gleich selbst vorstellen, ist jemand, der im Diversity und Inclusion äh, Feld äh, aktiv ist, schon seit einigen Jahren. Er ähm, lebt mit bestimmten Diagnosen, also Autismus-Spektrum und versucht sich für das Verständnis von diesen speziellen Neigungen einzusetzen und arbeitet da als Coach, arbeitet mit Unternehmen und arbeitet auch als Speaker. Uh, hi David, I just introduced you a little bit. Um, I said that you uh, that you are working in the DNI field, that uh, that you're a speaker, uh, a coach, and that you're working um, with uh, people in uh, companies that want to know more about autism and yeah. um that's 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 correct yeah um i'll try a little bit of german I'm, I'm, it's very limited i haven't done this for a number of years now so good uh guten tag my name is david crisp and ich bin autistic how was that <laughs> That was wonderful, David. I, 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 even though as a nation, as English people don't make the effort, I, I, I think it's a very lazy English trait and to, well, British trait to not learn foreign languages. It's particularly bad because a lot of our language does come from Germany, as from German, French, Latin, Norse. You know, so it's uh, uh, so I, I, I am ashamed for myself, but also ashamed for my entire nation that, that, very, that very few people learn. Um, learn German I did I was learning it at school but I had to it was choice of that or science so I wanted to do both but I had to carry on doing French instead which I didn't like but there we go so so welcome David thank you welcome David and when we will start a little bit different uh, because you have been very kind and very um, empathetic To, to our podcast listeners. And a lot of people think that people from the autism spectrum are people that are just sitting somewhere in the corner, don't like to talk with others, don't yeah. feel with others, are kind of frozen. What about that, David? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of um, mis misconceptions and myths around autism, particularly uh, lack of empathy. Um, I blame a certain uh, professor, Simon Baron Cohen, from... Cambridge University for a lot of that. Um, some I have met autistic people that do lack empathy, but generally it's it's more lack of. Uh, they used to call it social imagination, a lack of understanding of how our emotions and, and other people's emotions emotions relate to one another. Like for example, if you were crying right now, um, I would notice you were crying, but might not necessarily understand why unless you really explained it. You know, you know, I might not think I've, I've said, I might not know that I may have said something that offended you and not necessarily know. But obviously, as you get older and you're autistic, you learn from mistakes. You, you learn through experience as well. Um, and also, in my case, I was the youngest child in my family. So I've, I've learned some social skills and emotional skills from from good or bad from my siblings and my elderly parents. So there's, there's a lot from there as well. But I think some autistic people, I consider myself on this, um, are not Dr. Spock or well, Mr. Spock, sorry, uh, or um, Data from Star Trek or those classical, or Sheldon, the classical sort of autistic type models. Um, many of us are, are hyper-emotional, if anything. And if I see something terrible on the news, like 
82, the massive famine in, in, in Africa that started, no, 84, that started the Band-Aid and the Live Aid movement. Very, very upset with that. I cried the first time I saw the original King Kong. I cried when I saw the remake, because not the, the more modern one, 78, because it was so bad a movie rather than anything. But I will cry at a sad movie, or I'll get upset um, and things like that. And and, and generally, we, we sometimes you get very emotional about an object or possession. Sometimes it can be a big issue rather than a small issue. You know, a lot of autistic people are very, very strong advocates for social justice. You know, if they don't like somebody, you know, it's nothing to do with race or colour. It's it's it's, char- it's characters and and behaviours and characteristics. You know, someone might be too loud for them or someone to tr- uh, not be trustworthy. They'll learn, I don't like that person because from what I've gathered, they're, they're not, re- not trustworthy or reliable rather than the normal prejudices that a lot of neurotypical people have. Um, so it's, it's and I'm, I'm certain that, that case. And again, it's generalisation, but a lot of autistic people actually find other cultures interesting because they're lost in their own culture to a certain extent. And, and if you think of, at the moment, you're, you're doing really well, understanding my English, I'm doing not so well understanding your German. But, but you know, and again, with autism, it's again, it's a language difference. You know, that, you know we're, we don't pick up every word maybe in a sentence and... and and uh, like what we're doing now, this is more social communication rather than form- formative communication, such as, would you like a cup of tea, David? Yes, I'm fine. Or how are you, David? I'm fine. But anything beyond that is harder because you, you don't know how the conversation is going to go, uh, where it's going to lead, where it's going to end, what the start and end point and middle point is going to be. So, so it has a, those conversations have a life of their own can be very, very difficult for people like myself. So, and and emotionally, it's it's again, it, it can be quite difficult because you don't really know if somebody's crying. They could be crying because they they're, they're laughing so much. So even things like tears can be very confusing. It, it, you know, it could even be they may even be crying because they've, they've got a streaming cold and they've sneezed so much it's made their eyes water. You know, so there's a third reason then why somebody might be leaking tears. So, so again, it's it's mm. it's those confusing things that kind of quite difficult. And during the pandemic, it's made even worse by the wearing of a mask. You know, if, if if all you see is a person's eyes and you see most of the face is gone, how can you? You can tell maybe someone's happy or sad, but if someone's angry or yeah. or grumpy, which is quite similar. Or, you know, sad or mm. Or, or 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 angry, very very difficult. Unless even if they're speaking, sometimes you know exactly what they're they're thinking because they're not giving, the face isn't even giving you any clues. That that's even if you can read faces, which which I've learned learned how to do. But it's very very difficult then. And if half the face isn't there, you can imagine it's it's difficult. Yeah. It's because you know, you're relying on subtleties of of mm. of eye, eye shape, mm. eye shape and forehead, which is very very difficult anyway. You know, and, uh, and 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 so it's and also part of also I think is trying to understand. Some people are face blind, but myself, I, I I like I've got a brilliant memory for faces, but with masks, it's impossible. Every face looks the same. You know, you know, and so that makes it even harder as well. If someone's talking to me, I think, and it might be the same for them. You think, who is that person? You know, because you know you because you can't even remember where you've seen that person because all you can see is half the face. It's very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of issues around emotions and, and communication there as well. Um, 
Yeah, well, but some people, like myself, I think we're, in, in any way, we're possibly too emotional sometimes. You get, you know, we can't control our own emotions. Mm. So something that might upset one person may cause a massive meltdown for us. And something that you think would hurt us wouldn't. Mm. For example, my daughter's recently been in hospital. Yes, it was stressful. She was having lots of seizures, was really quite poorly. But my wife was the one in this in a in more emotional state. I wasn't. But if it had been something more, I don't know, something had gone wrong in the house, like the Hoover didn't work or the vacuum cleaner or the television was reception was going silly, that to me would be a massive, massive thing. Like, I like Doctor Who. If there's a problem with Doctor Who being on late or or somebody rings up and that's on, it's like end of the world. And it's a bigger thing than maybe somebody being in hospital to me. Mm. Because I think practically, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like, well, this is, mm. oh, you know, you know, and so again, it's a very, very different thing and everyone's unique, but but the, the feelings are the same, but you might be attached to different things. Um, I once met a young man that was in the deep griefs, depths of really severe um grieving you know really you know and it was and it, um, it took us a long time we thought maybe his mother died or his granddad died or something like that and it was no it was just the favorite character on the on the tv show, sci-fi show heroes had died and because he invested a lot of emotional energy into that character mm. almost like a friend mm. when that character was killed off it was like it was a full-on bereavement mm. like he'd lost a member of his own family mm. You know, almost like when you've lost a pet, but even bigger, you know, it's, and, and other people couldn't understand it, but I could perfectly understand where it was coming from. Mm. You know, how dare they kill him off? He was my friend because he had no real friends. It's got, you invest time yeah. and energy, yeah. don't you, in, in, in something yeah, that is maybe superficial to everybody else, but to us, it's, it's not. Mm. Mm. David, give us a little bit um, more hints who you are. What is your age? Where are you living? I mean, you come from the UK, but give yeah. us a little yeah. bit more data. Oh, yeah, I'm... 55, or if you reverse the numbers, 55. <laughs> um, and I'm from the UK, from England, and um, born and raised in Northamptonshire, which is the middle of England. We're, if you can imagine, everyone knows that the UK is an island, or Great Britain is an island. Well, I'm about as far as it's possible to be from the sea. The nearest place from us from the sea is 80-odd miles in, end up in any direction. So it is so we're right at the centre of, of, of England. In the heart. Right in the heart of England, yes. Yeah. So, uh, so we're, if if you know East Midlands, we're sort of to the west of East England, but not quite in the West Midlands. So it's sort of dead on the dead on spot. I think if you were to um, draw an X from the top left, top north, right down to the and, and vice versa, you know, we'd be more or less in the middle there, not quite, but more or less down there. So, uh, so we're we're there, and I've lived here all my life, apart from three years when I lived not that a lot far away in Leicester when I was. Um, studying to be a nurse but uh, uh, for reasons that I now know were an autistic meltdown but didn't know that at the time I, uh, I didn't qualify so uh, but uh, so it's uh, I mean living quite a small town which was originally a manufacturing town for shoes but very mm -hmm. and uh, no like a one one product town but there were some lots of factories rather than just one employer gradual decline and then what's happened in recent years is that um We've now got the largest shopping centre, I think, in the U outdoor shopping centre in the UK, suddenly built in this tiny little outskirts, this tiny little town. So we've, it's been totally rejuvenated, mm. you know, which is which is um, 
very, very interested in it. And it's the last thing you would expect for a tiny little town like us to have. But it, it's been it's been good. So it's a uh, it's it's interesting. And the best part about it is because we're in the middle of the UK, we can go anywhere quite quickly. Mm. No, London is an hour. Mm. Uh, Birmingham's an hour. East Coast two hours, West Coast two hours. So it's so it's Sounds the transport. Good. So the transport links are really really good. It's just there's not a lot happening in the county really, but but it is good from that point of view. David, tell us a little bit how, how was your let's say autism story. You you already mentioned that uh, that there has been times or there had been a time that that you have not been diagnosed. Tell us a little bit about that and tell us. Yeah. The, the advantages and maybe disadvantages of yeah. having yeah. a diagnosis. Yeah. Um, right. But the situation is that I'm at the higher end of, of autism, which would be called Asperger's syndrome. I know the term is now being phased out. Um, and so the reason why I wasn't diagnosed as a child was because that didn't exist as a diagnosis in the 1970s and 80s. It was only later um, when people like Dr. Lorna Wing coined the phrase. Um, so... I would have just been there as a, an aloof, shy, quiet, you know, child. Rather, you know, maybe a, I suppose these days they call you a geek or a, or a nerd or whatever the the, the German equivalent is. Mm -hmm. I was a sort of person, but um, I was diagnosed um, because of um, issues with my, my daughter, but that she was being going through the process of being assessed, mm -hmm. and there was lots of barriers. People were saying, "Well." because she's female, she didn't behave in the same way as, as a boy would. Um, and lots of conflicts with medical profession, etc. And it was um, her psychiatrist that said, you like your facts. And if they said they were going to do something, didn't do it. I said, oh, well, there you go. There's a piece of paper there. You said you were going to do this. Oh, they say, you're not, I don't think she's autistic. Well, you said that a year ago, you, she was. Why aren't you an assessment then? You know, it kind of like, well, that was then. Well, well no, because if, if she is, it ain't going to go away. You know, she either is or she isn't. It, it would answer questions for you as well as for us, but no, they weren't interested. So because of that, she pushed for me to be diagnosed, which I did um, when I was 42, so that's 2007. Um, my son was then diagnosed a few months later. And my daughter, because she has lots of co-occurring conditions and because of the background where doctors were, were doubting that she was as disabled as she as she was and is now. Um, that that made it harder. So and so we, she wasn't diagnosed. She was fifteen and a half, and by then she'd had every diagnostic label you could have other than autism. It, but mm. it's kind of like I describe it as saying somebody's um, just finally diagnosed someone as as diabetic, but after you've ticked all the all the right, you know, the blood sugar, the ur mm. sugar and urine thirst all those sort of symptoms but all together and you think well one word is it's diabetic and then for her it was autism it was, it was so obvious and when she was diagnosed by one of the leading experts in the UK Judith Gould she said it was a real no-brainer mm. in fact her having I hope this will come across okay in translation but she actually said well if if you'll come across a girl that's got web feet 40 proof feathers swims a lot quacks flies and waddles then it's more likely a duck mm -hmm. you know so you're kind of like well all possibility probabilities alone it was clearly obvious but she said but we had to do the formal process so i could have mm -hmm. just done it over the phone with the information we already had but 
have to do that. So, uh, so that was very interesting. So, um, but for me, it made it, it, it didn't make a great difference in a way because I was, I was already married, already a father, but uh, I had had a history of, of depression and it made that easier because I was understanding why I found hard to make friends or keep friends or have friends and I know it's my own detriment, keep them in little boxes. So then if I moved from a job to a job, I didn't keep those friendships up. So then I had to start all over again, which was hard because you have to, and got the, I find it hard in the first place. So it's gone then, and, and, and lots of angst and, and regrets over that, which I can't really do a lot about. But so, but also I understand, my wife would able to understand how my particular um special interests or, or obsessions depending on how we view it why they're a need rather than just a want you know you know if you saw my living room a few years ago it was covered in doctor who stuff and people used to visit and say well what part of this is any part of this living room your wife's you know is any part of my wife's name's jermaine does any of this belong to jermaine it's almost like mm. a bachelor pad and and but uh, so so I learned and, and I wasn't doing anything to be selfish. It just didn't occur to me. It's kind of like, I like those things near to me, but didn't realise that maybe she might like something downstairs. It says she lives here too. She's not a sitting tenant, it's my wife. But so so and it made us understand each other better, which is very, mm-hmm. very helpful. This sounds really nice. And and I, uh, especially I like the this um, this picture of the duck. Yeah. This leads us a little bit to the neurodiverse approach or neurodistinct yeah. approach that you just, um, that for sure you're fighting for. Yeah. Maybe you can just uh, say a little bit about that. No, I, I have to, I mean, it's only the last couple of years. I know it's been, it's been banded around for a few years, but it's only the last couple of years I really got to know the, word, the term neurodiversion. And I, I really love it because not everyone is autistic or diagnosed as autistic will necessarily want to tell, say some, to somebody they're autistic because they may have, the other person may have perceptions. Oh, you're like Rain Man. You're mm. like Sheldon from, mm. from Big Bang Theory or you're like, um, I don't know, you're, you're like Einstein, you know, mm. the, the very, very straight and very, very mathematical genius you're, or mm. you're brilliant like Bill Gates on IT. But mm. no, we're the same as anybody else. There's a broad spectrum of, Mm. of who we are in the same mm-hmm. way that there is of people that aren't autistic. But neurodivergent, because it covers not just autism, but also covers things like ADHD, mm. dyslexia and things like that, which mm. are, it's basically anyone whose brain's wired differently to the, to the mainstream, shall we say. Mm. And, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're disabled, although some people are mm-hmm. learning disabled or autistic. It just means that you're different. Mm-hmm. And, and in the same way that, and, and, and I love the word because diversity in, in because it's been used so many times for, for race and for mm-hmm. ethnicity as well, mm-hmm. and even in religion, then it, then it shows it's a much more accepting word, shall I say. I mm-hmm. think we need to move more away from autism awareness. People mm-hmm. know it exists to more mm-hmm. accepting people for who they are, not trying to change them. Mm-hmm. Yes, help them so they can function in society, but, but, not change the essence of who they are, which is what they've always tried to do in the past. Mm-hmm. You know, we will make, we will force you to make eye contact. In the same way, years ago, even when I was at school um, in in England in the nineteen seventies, if you were left-handed, the teacher would tap you on the hand with a ruler mm-hmm. yeah. until you wrote with the right hand. Mm-hmm. 
but of course you're going against what your brain's wired mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. And it's a similar sort of thing that they've done with autism over the past. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like rather than let person be themselves, you know, and yes, there are certain behaviours you didn't want to do in public, but there are ways you can adapt those behaviours so they're less socially inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Even if it's just saying, well, you do that behaviour in your own room or you do something different instead of biting yourself, maybe mm-hmm. bite an object, you know, mm-hmm. so you're not self-harming. There's lots of ways around it, but you're not stopping the behaviour or therefore encouraging that so that person becomes very anxious or depressed later in life because they've not been able to be themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think, and, and that term's really, really good because it because if you say neurodivergent, people don't have to say, well, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean where you are. And it's like if somebody says they're, they're disabled, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily yes. mean that, you know, you, do you need to know what they're, or if they're, or if they're wheelchair bound, do you, do you really need to know why they're in a wheelchair? You just accept they are. Mm. And, so, yes. and it's those sort of things and also so so i think it's much better i'm, I'm not going to some people it, it, show, it shows more like uh, i mean when we when we uh, still use the the duck uh, image it sounds more like um why do you want to force the duck maybe to climb a mountain yeah or exactly. why sh- why should an eagle dive in the deep sea or something like that yeah or why should he be in the hen uh, house this yeah. is just not working no but, but on the other hand it can work that um that let's say uh in a jungle there is place for the tiger there's place for the uh, yeah what you know there's place for the the the, the, the 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 snake there's place for all these animals and in a way they're working together that the jungle is functioning Yeah. And the junk, jungle is uh, uh, as wonderful, uh, uh, colorful as it is, you know. And um, because of that, I really like this approach because it's not hurting anybody. It's, it's not hurting no. the so-called normal. It's just telling that we are wonderfully different in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and maybe in some way, I think everybody may be touched neurodivergent you know i don't be necessarily autistic because everyone's unique anyway that's why that's why they use the term neurotypical it's like as close as you can get to using the word normal because what is normal there is no normal is there really you know everyone's you know society determines that rather than an individual you know you know what's maybe acceptable behavior in germany when you're out for a meal might be very different in the uk you know because of your culture You know, it doesn't necessarily, you know, so, so again, there's a cultural differences as well that society decides what is normal, which is much better, which is why neurodivergent thinks a good idea because it doesn't, doesn't describe what is normal or, or what is abnormal, just what's different, mm. what's sort of slightly, we have this English expression, left of centre maybe, a little bit, a little bit different, mm. you know, but, but does it matter? It's like a... No. It's like if someone drives a Renault, does it mean that they're, and somebody else drives a Citroen or, or in Germany, someone drives a Volvo or somebody drives uh, a BMW, mm-hmm. does it, yes, they're status symbols maybe, the BMW maybe, but at essence, they're both cars. They're both a four-wheel yes. to take from A to B. So does it really matter? It doesn't really, other yes. than what society decides or personal preferences decide. I want to finish it now, David, with... Um the crisis aspect and if you yeah. really can underwrite that 
all that you went through, all the troubles um, with your children yeah. being diagnosed and yeah. the troubles and the depression you had yourself. Yeah, it was really was worth it. Is is there something that comes out of that? In retrospect, yes. At the time, <laughs> maybe not. Um, it was, but the depression happened quite before even the children died. In fact, even before my daughter was born, I was only had my son then. Um, it was really, really quite bad, and I was trying to get back into care work and couldn't. I mean, a door slammed in my face, and was in in a dead end job, and I was being bullied terribly by my, by my boss. Um, very, very, very unpleasant chat. And one day, and I don't know why, I must have said the wrong thing. I still don't know what I said to him, but he he, he sent me home like like a child. And I was 30, 31, being sent home from work like a light school boy. And, and I thought, what do I, but, and now I know why, no, because of the autism, but I couldn't understand. He never said, does that mean I'd lost my job? Did it mean go home and come back tomorrow? Did it mean that's your, you know, you're finished in this job, you know, no, don't come. He didn't make any of that clear. And I think for anybody would have found it difficult, but now I know what made it worse. So I'm born like a massive meltdown. My son was a baby and my wife was obviously full time mm. looking after him. So I had to think of, well, what am I going to do for money? What am I going to do for this? And, and massive. And I actually, I was ready on antidepressants anyway. And, and I took a load of them and a bottle of whiskey because I know whiskey is pretty I like the taste of it, but also I know it's going to be quite effective. I'm just going to go to sleep and take a whole bottle and, and, and et cetera. But, um, um, but fortunately, um, my wife's first name turned with a, a GP at the time. He's a lovely chap. He's retired now. And, uh, and he just came to the house and, and basically gave me something to make me sick. And was so I didn't have to go anywhere or anything like that. But, uh, and, um, but the funny thing is, and looking back, I still can't understand what triggered it. Yeah, I had that very bad experience from, from work, but it was my wife's sister that because I, I said, "Oh, no, 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 I'm not worth it. I'm useless," and all that sort of thing. But she's, but it was her saying that we do care that tipped me over the edge. It was, it was, it, it logically it shouldn't be. It should have been somebody being saying something maybe unpleasant. But when you when you have such a low opinion of yourself, somebody's picking you up saying that you are worth something. Probably the it should be the last, the first the thing you want to hear, but sometimes it's the last thing you want to hear because you're so convinced yourself that you're worthless. So and that's, that's why I did it. And uh, and I could hear my son crying in the background. He said, not what you're doing. What are you doing all this for? Silly. And I had this voice in my head saying, no, pick yourself up from this. You know, don't, we have this saying, and um, unfortunately it involves a swear word, but I say, don't let the, bastards grind you down don't let people get down get you down and, and and that made me realize that if i'd done this not only would have left my wife and my son bereft but also the, the people that didn't like me had won so there's a that element of stubbornness of so now i was also autism to say you know you're not going to win this one I'm, I'm better than you no no matter even though i feel at the moment i don't feel like it because I haven't treated anybody else like this, you know, even if I don't feel good about myself. So that was the, the pickup. And the second major time, although it didn't involve that serious a, a breakdown, if you like that, was um, when we were put into child protection because because we were told one year by social, our social services to push for a diagnosis of autism for the children. And the next year, the same people that told us to do that were then 
criticising us for doing the same thing because she was behaving fine at school but exploding at home. So as far as they were concerned, there was no evidence of autism in school, although when she was assessed properly a few years later, they could say, yes, there was, you know, fixed grin, swallow all the time, not but, you know, just keeping her head down and not actually communicating with anybody in class, the, you know, withdrawing. So it was because of that, well, we ended up in job protection. But as a result of that, I ended up being diagnosed. So even from that, a positive thing's coming out. And uh, at the moment, I'm campaigning because I know 15 years down the line, there are still autistic parents and, and or, or parents of autistic children that are being routinely accused of, of abuse when all they've done is ask for help. And uh, logic, my, my logical autism brain says, well, if you're abusing the kid, why would you ask for help from the very people that could take the kids away from you? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't, that's the last people. You know, if, if you, you wouldn't ask for the police to, to, to check you out mm-hmm. if you were committing a crime. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's logic said that's the last thing you mm-hmm. would do, you know, mm-hmm. but, but they don't seem to understand all that. But um, so, um, so that's, so I'm trying to raise awareness of that. And it's a, uh, it's difficult because a lot of parents don't want to put their head above the power of it. But my kids are growing up now, so it doesn't really matter. But I think it needs to be said, you know, and uh, and hopefully things will change. So, and again, that's a big autistic thing that 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 strive for social justice. This I thought, rather than, and we all do it. We all moan about stuff. We all moan about the, our governments or moan about climate, whatever. But it's taken for climate change. It's took a a teenaged Swedish girl mm. to do more, yes. you know, whatever your, your opinions on, on Greta Thunberg, it's took a teenage autistic Asperger girl to actually say the things that all the mm. politicians were too scared to say because they didn't want to offend anybody. Mm. And she's of the generation that's going to be living through mm. the damage that our generation has, has caused. You know, she they, she has they're the people that have to be part of the solution because they're the ones going to be living in the consequences of mm. whatever happens. Mm. And some of the arguments is about politics and things like that. It's, it's just not logical, is it? Mm. You know, if if you spent more money on on alternatives, then the world's economy would improve because eventually you're going to run out of a lot of these resources anyway. So does it make sense to have alternatives now mm. than before? You know, mm. you know, if you were if, for example, they, they were running out of food in Germany, you wouldn't wait until there was no food left before you started thinking about what we're going to put in the food cupboard. You know, but that is what's, what's the world is doing, isn't it, in effect? It's, it's, it's saying, well, well, oh, it's OK, it's going to happen 20 years' time. It's not going to affect our generation. But mm. you know, what about your children, your grandchildren? Mm. You know, and, and we're already seeing a lot of social unrest anyway. We do really want a, a world war caused by climate change and poverty mm. and... You know that sort of thing. We've yeah. we've had enough of that in the past, haven't we? Yes, we had. David, give us an advice. Let's say people who are listening to this podcast and advice how to deal with uh, all the challenges that are connected with this uh, pandemic. Yeah, um, there's been some been some research, a lot of research done on this, uh, how it's affecting autistic people. And again, like I mentioned to you earlier, sometimes. Because autistic people are generally quite happy in their own company, some of the issues of the pandemic haven't necessarily been so bad for some autistic people as they have for others. For instance, if you don't have much of a social life, not having one, or having that taken away from you 
forcibly through lockdown or, or other measures, you know, isn't really an issue. If you don't like hugging and you're not allowed to because of COVID, bonus, you know, but for other, but, but then there's the other side of it, you know, the, the constant bombardment I mean, in the UK, I don't know if it's the same as Germany, we get told daily deaths every single day of how many mm. people have died that day, you know, and it, and that drip feed, you either get desensitized with it or you start thinking it's, yeah, it's a dangerous thing, but you, you start thinking, um, it's never ending. It's really and get quite. You can get quite depressed if you're not careful, and particularly if you're autistic and you're thinking uh, logic. And you know, you know, you're not understanding. Well, yeah, there's two hundred people died this week, but a year ago it was a thousand. So you have to think. Yeah, it's 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 terrible, but it's we are winning the battle. It's just it's just not. A, but but it's going to be a long a long haul. And uh, so so I think so a lot of that. And I know if my daughter, she became very very scared of going out you know and, and everybody has to wear a mask when you're going anywhere and, and all this sort of thing although she doesn't have to because she's autistic and you know, there are certain restrictions but you almost become paranoid because because you're hearing it's such a terrible thing which it, and i know it has been but it's kind of like yeah. uh, but the confusion that our government particularly has done has been terrible it's like my son's an auti- um, autistic and he's also a school teacher and last year is training you know, he was being told things like on, he wouldn't know until eight o'clock on a Monday morning if his school was open or closed because they, the government hadn't decided whether to shut schools or not. You know, it had been mentioned on a Friday or, and, on, and what happened was the, the, uh, the UK government decided on Saturday, definitely, definitely not closing the schools. Then Sunday evening, yeah, we're going to close them all. Why last minute? You know, it, it's, it, it's that sort of confusion, that sort of lack of logic that confuse, confuse everybody, but people are autistic. The, the changing rules all the time is, is is really, really, really confusing. You know, and you know, and and if if you're autistic and have a certain amount of paranoia to you, then that's come really to the fore because you also haven't got the skills to to deal with that. So it's and but then again, some people that are autistic are stoic and think, well, this is terrible, but. We live through the war. We live through pandemics before. You know, a bit like the older generations think, "Yeah, well," and 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 maybe the other side of it think, "Well, people are some people are becoming more kinder to one another." But I think some of that now is gone because it's been going on too long. There's a bit of kindness fatigue now, I think, and that doesn't help. Mm-hmm. So it's a so it's a complex situation to be in, and, and it's um, I'm 55 and I've been. No, no, nothing is confusing as this or dramatic as this has ever happened, and and it's 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 a scary time. But um, what I can can say is that uh, for autistic people, just just we just like answers, and of course, sometimes with something like this, there isn't any. But again, we need a plan, you know. And and one thing I am, I don't know the situation in Germany, but no, historically, Germans are much more pragmatic and much more plan. Think. Yeah, yeah, much more planned. Think with the head. The fact that you recovered, like you recovered from from two world wars, you know, when you both decimated financially, because you know how to work hard. You know, how to, and British people don't don't have that strong work ethic, and we don't have to. You know, we may complain about the government, but we don't think practically how to fix a problem. It's like whatever it's their their fault. You know, some of it is their fault, but it, it, it's always somebody's fault rather than thinking, well, yeah, we can't change what they do, but but we can change our own little corner. 
You know, it can make sure that we help our children, that we work with the schools to keep them open, you know, don't, don't leave it all to everybody else. So maybe, David, I can um, put everything together that maybe we should start in Europe to take the best sides of all of us and to, um, to bring these uh, talents and cultural differences together and then maybe even reach out further because in a way it might be the only yeah, I think way it, out. Yeah, I, I, believe, I believe so. And, uh, and, it's, and even I'll vote for it. I don't think Brexit's been necessarily as helped, but I think, I think it's, it's kind of like, it's always been us and Europe. We've always been part of Europe, even when we were in the EEC, but we're an island. But we forget, yeah, that we still rely on everybody else. You know, you still have to have goods come in. You still have to have a good relationship with your neighbours, France, Germany, uh, you know, and, and it's fair enough saying, well, we can, we can have stronger relations with Australia and Canada, but they are thousands of miles away. You know, they're not the ones that are going to send the trolley loads of food if we run out of any or medicines, because by the time they get it, it could be too late. You know, we rely on our neighbours and, and they rely on us. And that spirit of cooperation, it's in, and, and in a in a global situation, countries should work together, not just think about their own their own well being, because that doesn't achieve anything. That's that's because causes chaos, you know. And and it's a chance for everyone to shine, but but I don't think they are really. There's countries that are like New Zealand where they really seem to, but it's easier but, for them. Small but, country uh, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but but um, having con having good connections to Australia and Canada might help sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, we have the Brexit, but maybe we have a reunion between yeah. the UK and Europe in some years. And uh, let's hope yeah. for that. And, yeah, I, uh, I think they should have just had like a, not had a, maybe with regards to trade, but still had free movement of work. Because it's kind of, it's crazy. Like they suddenly stopped a lot of uh, free movement of work. And then what's happening is that, you know, Part of the problem with Brexit, people were complaining about Romanian drivers coming over and taking all our British jobs. But now they're asking for them to come over mm. because we haven't got enough lorry drivers. Mm. You know, mm. so it's kind of like, well, you've created your own your own problem. And it's, got, it's like anything. It's like they had a vote and they always expected it was going to be a certain outcome. Whereas, whereas I think if, if a person that's maybe autistic would think logically, think there's, there's two possible outcomes. You have to plan for both. They, 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 they always thought the answer was going to be no to Brexit, so they hadn't planned for if it was a yes. Well, you can't do any, can't make any debate like that. You, there's always a chance that you know the public will, will, will say something different. You know, you give them that option. It's like the ballot box; you can never be certain what people are going to going to say. So it's a, but there we go. It's, um, but it, it it is such a shame because the countries aren't ready working together and, and and there's that and I fear that there may be a rise in nationalism if, in the next few years if something isn't isn't changed like that we will become little England you know you know arcing back to a time that really never was you know when, when we were the ruler of the waves and all this sort of thing and, and, and we, we can't take the clock back we can't have our empire back because there are no empires really now. You know, it, you know, it should be more well 
let's work with our neighbours, work together, because the only way the pandemic's going to go is through global cooperation. It's the only way climate change is going to go if all countries work together. And it's no good ourselves or Germany. If we, if we recycled 100% and had zero carbon, that won't work if China's polluting and America's polluting still. Or, but it, doesn't, it shouldn't stop us as individuals doing it. But, but one person can't go against billions, which is what, what, what it is okay, at the moment. So let's say at least we are two. I mean, like, I'm not perfect with everything concerning climate, but, but it's a little start. And I think we have so many others in our big boat. And I take your last words as a warning and as um, an attempt to, to call for unity of people everywhere, especially in Europe. Yeah. And I will switch to German now. Yeah, ich habe hab damit jetzt äh, geschlossen, wie natürlich alle im Prinzip verstanden haben, weil die allermeisten hier ja sowieso Englisch äh, verstehen. Ich habe damit geschlossen, dass äh, David weniger mit einem Tipp äh, gekommen ist, wie man diese Pandemie am besten überleben kann, beziehungsweise dann doch. Also ich glaube, es war vor allen Dingen eine Mahnung, diese Pandemie super ernst zu nehmen, und, äh, und bestimmte Schwierigkeiten, mit denen die Menschheit auch noch zu kämpfen hat, die jetzt wirklich anzugehen. Und ähm, ich glaube, das haben sowieso schon viele verstanden. Aber es gab ganz viel äh, Tolles, Interessantes zum Thema Autismus. Und ähm, ich bedanke mich nochmal bei dir, David. Und ähm, wir, liebe Podcast-Hörer, hören uns in zwei Wochen wieder. Und dann habe ich wieder einen interessanten Podcast-Gast Mal sehen, ob es ein Experte ist oder, ähm, oder sonst irgendwie ein Mensch, der durch eine Krise gegangen ist und sowohl von der Krisenerfahrung berichtet, als auch möglicherweise schon von den guten Seiten. Das ist aber nicht immer und jeden Tag erkennbar. Aber trotzdem lasst uns einigermaßen äh, fröhlich gestimmt sein. Und ähm, wir gehen ja jetzt auch auf Weihnachten zu. Und von daher bis in zwei Wochen. Alles Gute. Tschüss.